All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Especially Dark Age. Today we're talking about Dark Age. If you haven't read Dark Age, go home and read Dark Age. Not your podcast. Don't forget to follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, HowlerPod at gmail.com. Go to HowlerPod.com. And guess what? We have a fucking phone number. And you can call us now. 1-800-516-1540. I got that first time right off the top of my head. Are you sure that's right? Should we check it? I'm 99.9% sure that's right. Let me scroll. Let me scroll. 1-800-516-1540. Please drunk dial us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care if it has anything to do with Hallerpod. <laughs> just please drunk dial us. <laughs> and don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars only. Guess what? If you don't give us five stars, we'll what? Cut you into four pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Hallerpod. We cannot retreat. We cannot surrender. We cannot attack. We cannot wait. Our only option is to define the terms of engagement. We will fight them in. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I'm your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Lo, 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 Howlers. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> On the last Howler pod, we read Iron Gold. We sure did. What are we doing today? Dum, da, dum, dum, dark age. Oh, shit. It's going down. I'm becoming more fake positive because <laughs> I'm actually dying inside. We're really going to need it for this podcast and all the podcasts gonna, to come. It's going to get real <laughs> weird, guys. I'm going to become extremely manic. I hope everyone is okay with dead baby jokes. <laughs> Ooh, I'm like gearing up. You can actually Google dead baby jokes and there are some fire jokes. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm just starting that now. I'm just going to put that in now and just uh, use that as a reminder for every episode until we get there. Okay, Um, today is Dark Age, as I said. Part one, prologue through chapter five. Okay, so let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter and prologue summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits. Or get staked in the butt. butt. Steak butted? (laughs) (laughs) Impaled is the word you're thinking of. Impaled. Impaled. I was trying to think of that the other day. I could not think of it. How could you not? Is it chapter three? Darrow says it like 8,000 times. (laughs) He says the impaler, impaled, (laughs) impalement. You were telling me that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to (laughs) vomit my breakfast, Darrow. (laughs) Prologue, Darrow, blood red. We have arrived on Mercury. That's where we're at. The White Fleet floats above the planet in ruins, destroyed by Atalantia and the Ash Armada. Orion has been captured, and the Free Legions are marooned on Mercury's surface. Darrow, Alexander, Rona, Thraxa, Calloway, and Tunglis, 
That's our crew. They're moving in to steal Orion back from the Fear Knight, a.k.a. Atlas Ah Ra, a.k.a. Romulus's dumbass brother, <laughs> who we hate. They breach the shuttle that is transferring Orion from Mercury up to the fleet in space, you know. We're doing space again, by the way, in Dark Age. We're back to space. We're back in space. Yeah. Thanks, Pierce Brown. They fight off Gorgons until they are intercepted by the Olympic Knights. Love, death, and storm. Ajax, a.k.a. the Storm Knight, cuts Tungless into four pieces. My favorite part. So, yeah, Tungless, he gone. I miss you already. Darrow kills the Death Knight and is almost bested by Ajax because he's fast as fuck. Even though we hate him, he's still super fast. And he's much younger than Darrow. Rona has secured Orion secretly and detonates a bomb, ripping the ship in half. Darrow and his surviving friends get scooped up in space expertly by Calloway. That takes us to part one, Mischief. Chapter one, Darrow's chapter, Till the Veil. Darrow visits legionnaires, all blinded by Atlas and a medbay on Mercury's surface. There he happens upon Dago of Ganyma, from Lycos, Dago gives him words of encouragement and some dirt from the surface of Mars. Darrow takes a shuttle over the waste of Ladone to the headquarters of Darrow's army at Tyche. On the journey, he finds Orion alone in the back of the cargo hold with her feet dangling out the open door. He sits next to her to chat. Orion is teetering on the edge of sanity, and Darrow is hoping to pull her back to her old self. However, she compares the people of Mercury to rats, gnawing at them and making them weaker. Ooh. She starts sounding pretty uh, pretty gold. Pretty space if racy. She's <laughs> pretty space racist, if I do say so myself. You're like, ooh, maybe we should give you back. <laughs> <laughs> for a blue, there's a lot of hate coming for low colors from her. Right. Yeah. Like, look in the mirror, honey. <laughs> you got metal fingers. Okay. <laughs> Chapter two, Lysander, that bitch, Anihilo. Lysander's ship has arrived to the Anihilo from Io with Diomedes, Serafina, and Pytha all on board. The Anihilo was the flagship that helped destroy Rhea. Lysander and Diomedes talk about their upcoming meeting with Atalantia, Ajax, and Atlas. Chapter three, Darrow, Storm God. Darrow and his crew arrive in the north where the Psychorax Sea meets the polar ice caps. Here we meet Imperator Cadus Harnassus, a Terran orange, and uh, formally speaking, the arch-imperator of Darrow's army. However, he ain't in control no more because, one, Darrow's here. Two, he really fucked up by sending half the fleet back to Luna, and everybody knows it. I know it. However, he is a creative problem solver and a steady commander, and Daryl needs him to be a part of this. They find his crew at work on one of the seven storm gods stashed on the planet. It's time to wake this bad boy up. Glorastes, the master maker, has installed technology that will allow Orion and her blue pilots to sync with the storm gods. He is a society sympathizer, but also is deeply protective of the Mercurian people, and he's covering his own ass for helping Darrow invade the planet originally. So he agreed to help Darrow on the condition that they do not take the storm gods above primary horizon, which will cause major destruction and genocide to the cities of Mercury. 
Darrow has agreed to this. They fire up the storm god to see if it works. Rise! Rise! Rise, you bastard! Nero comes back from the dead. Rise! <laughs> I'm Pops up. I was so excited to say that. <laughs> Sorry I jumped in. Continue. Darrow says rise to himself, and finally it rises up. And oh yeah, Darrow's got a secret weapon. Okay, I didn't interrupt, but... Glorastes, the master maker. Mm-hmm. Am I not? Am I the only one who's like master builder? Everything uh, every is awesome. Every time, yes. Immediately, that's what I thought of. In that's my head, just it comes up. <laughs> that's all I could think. You of go, Glorastes. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. <laughs> I love if only him. he was cool like that. If only he was made out of Legos, <laughs> and not, you know, backstabbing tendencies. I just, I actually see him just as a Lego man in my head. Like I see Ooh, Daryl that, talking to him. And a he has man. like the bright orange hair that <laughs> yeah. clips on. Yes. That does make me like him more. <laughs> Good job. And then Daryl's like Batman. We have to get the ship together. <laughs> Rise. Rise, my son. <laughs> I am the knight. <laughs> Chapter four, Lysander, Ajax, son of Aja. Lysander and the Moonies land on the Anihilo and meet up with their core gold counterparts. They have not rolled out the red carpet for the returning heir and instead have shown up in force with armor and lots of stained obsidians. Kalandora asks Ajax to confirm that it's really Lysander. He is extremely suspicious until Lysander takes a DNA test I just took a DNA test, turns out I'm a hundred percent balloon. <laughs> that's as far as I got. Sorry, that's part of the rap por- portion of the musical. He proves he is a hundred percent that bitch. Ajax gives him one last test, which Lysander passes before embracing him as his brother once again. But it's super fake and a little creepy. And I'm like, Lysander's about to get poked yeah, by Ajax his aunt. Just sucks. Ajax, yeah. As much as I dislike Lysander, I'm like, he's got fucked up family history. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ajax then starts in on Diomedes and the Moonies, and it's super awkward. And can you imagine being there? I'd just be like, I'm going to go. <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom. It's like, you are acting a fool right now, Ajax. I don't really, you know, as much as I think I'm a gold, I'm not really comfortable with conflict. <laughs> no. And I would not be comfortable in this situation. <laughs> So Ajax doesn't like the Moonies at all. He's like, what's the op? It's not racist, nationalistic, (laughs) but like the core versus the rim. Yeah. Planetarian. Yeah. Just prejudiced, I think. Okay. (laughs) uh, He's also not liking the fact that Diomedes is wearing his quote unquote Storm Knight emblem because Ajax is like, I'm the Storm Knight, bro. Step (laughs) off. (laughs) Yeah, bro. Have you ever seen two <laughs> drunk dudes fighting in the street outside of a bar? Because yeah. I have, and it's never as cool as like you think it would be. It's a- kind of sad. Ajax would definitely be one of those dudes. He would be a dude doing that. Right. What, um, you think you're the Storm Knight, bro? Like, step off, bro. <laughs> Anyways, Diomedes endures these insults because he is actually an iron gold. And uh, typical Mooney fashion, he takes it in stride and he agrees to take off his Storm Knight cloak while he's in the core. Ajax then, as the better man, <laughs> grabs it from him and pisses on it because he's a huge dick. <laughs> Giant. Giant dick. 
Serafina gets really mad and is about to like throw down, but mm-hmm. Diomedes shuts her down super quick. She, he snaps a finger and she's like his little dog. It's like a click of his tongue. It says, "If he did that to me, I'd, I'd probably pee my own <laughs> pants." I'm like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> Ajax is amused and he continues mocking the Moonies before beckoning them to follow and welcoming them to the Ash Legions. Just quite the performance from Ajax. Quite the. You know, it's funny that we love Apollonius so much because he's kind of like this, but he's like so much cooler about it. Yes. Ajax is like trying to be like Apollonius, like that kind of haughty, like indignant, like I'm better than everyone, but he just really falls short. Yep. Well, and we like people who, no matter what side they're on, stick to their word and their their honor, their mm-hmm. version of honor. Mm-hmm. Like we like Lorne. Because even though he's a space racist, he like really sticks to his own code and he's not like backstabbing people openly. Right. Ajax, obviously, in the, the next few episodes, like backstabs everyone. Oh, yeah. You're just like, fuck you, dude. Completely you can't be so right. fake. That takes us to chapter five, Darrow, Voyager Cloak. Darrow explains Operation Voyager Cloak to his officers. He knows they are screwed, and it's only a matter of time until they face annihilation at the hands of Atalantia's legion. Their only option is to define the terms of engagement. With Operation Voyager Cloak, they are going to bait the Fear Knight into knocking out a certain section of their orbital shielding and invite Atalantia's army to invade that specific area of the planet. The area where they land will become a kill box as Darrow has laced the area with atomics and surrounded it with two hidden armies. The society's only option will be to retreat into the great army eater itself, the Wastes of Ladone. He then explains why this group of officers is here 400 clicks north instead of participating in Voyager Cloak. He explains if all else fails, they are the insurance policy and will be a part of Operation Tartarus. After the officers disperse, Daryl walks and talks with Harnassus. He needs to get him on board with the plan, but Harnassus is hesitant and thinks Darrow's acting like a god emperor. He wants to hunker down under the shields and wait for reinforcements. Darrow will have none of it. He calls out his howlers, who appear with full pulse armor. It's a threat. Harnassus is pissed, but he agrees to follow his orders and support the plan. Just then, there's an incoming transmission from our favorite Alexander. Our favorite for now. (laughs) He is part of the group baiting the Fear Knight. He tells Darrow and the others that the Fear Knight has not taken the bait, and instead of going for their intended target, he has broken off and is headed for the city of Angelia. Darrow thinks Atlas may have figured out their plan. They all snap into action. Darrow gives orders to Orion to get to Blue Reach 1 and makes her swear not to raise the storm gods above primary horizon. Guess what? <laughs> that doesn't go well. I'm thinking... Uh, I'm thinking when you set <laughs> rules... Maybe that invites people to break your rules. Yep, because coincidentally, she swears on her life not to. And that's coincidentally. Definitely not going to come back and bite Daryl in the ass. Nope, no way, no how. No, I think it'll work out. <laughs> I think we're going to win. Yep. Uh, Rona asks Daryl if he's concerned that Orion may not keep that promise. He tells her that he has an insurance plan, and Rona knows exactly what he means. She's smart. That is our chapter summaries for this week that takes us to this week's theme what's this week's theme aaron kiss 
I'm doing Prince. It's a kiss and make up. Or, well, at least try to. (laughs) (laughs) Who are we making up with? Well, we've got multiple people trying to come back together after being split apart for so long. So we've got Orion and Darrow trying to stitch their relationship back together after um, Orion felt betrayed and also got basically tortured and, quote unquote, altered by the Fear Knight. Um, I don't know if you need to quote unquote that. She's yeah. clearly a little Definitely. altered. We also have Darrow with uh, her Nasus yep. and getting him, you know, kind of back under control after being on his own with He's his m- own power. When he was making some bad decisions and kind of fucking everyone else over. Yeah. Great job, her Nasus. And then obviously the last one is we've got the rim and the core trying to solve their differences, come together. Um, because gold needs to unite to get rid of the... To purge the evil of democracy. (laughs) The slave king. Get rid of the slave king (laughs) and the democracy. Okay, starting off, we are with Orion and Darrow. So let's jump into some chapter-by-chapter theme inserts here for the kiss and makeup. As always, we've got some quotes. Uh, this is during Orion and Darrow's conversation on the back of the necromancer. They're just chilling. Um, Her feet are dangling and it's like freezing. Yeah, she's she's doing math on the side of the the ship, which I would never just do math in my <laughs> spare time. Definitely not weird at all. You seem fine, Orion. <laughs> like I play Sudoku in my spare time, which is like almost math. That's the most math that I do. I'm trying to do the opposite of math pretty much all the time in my life. Okay. Good good on you, Orion. Nope. (laughs) Ben, remember when you used to think you were a blue? Yeah. This proves that you're definitely not a blue. (laughs) Uh, Darrow says, the Senate recalled too many ships. Even if you saw Atalantia coming, she would have held orbit. The Senate lost that battle, not you. He's obviously trying to comfort Orion, like make her feel better about what happened. Orion snaps back. Harnassus lost that battle when he didn't spit on the Senate's orders and sent half my fleet to Luna. Your wife lost the battle when she did not override the Senate. Daryl says she will not break the new compact. And Orion cuts him off and says, you think that equality, her precious morality for the price of my sailors. So this just illustrates just how frustrated Orion is with not only Darrow, but the republic as a whole at this point she sounds a little bitter right and so this is why daryl's coming up to her at this moment he's trying to make sure that she's on board like he needs his best soldier he says at one point of all the soldiers left in my army i trust her the most because she alone has never let me down well strap in darrow (laughs) 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 and uh orion clearly is uh, altered, like we said, but also she's worn down not only by the fear night, but also by the war. Mm-hmm. And just, I mean, she's won all these battles for Darrow over and over and watched all these friends die. And then Darrow even explains to us the uh, ghosts in the machine, basically, that are left in her mind right. when she's plugged in and her the other blues die. Yeah. It like leaves a ghost in her mind of those deaths because she like experiences their death yeah so like not only is she fucked up in general from 
her friends dying, it's like more than that because right. she's actually experiencing their deaths. Yeah, we get some great information about Orion. We get that where she's like experiencing the death of her sailors like over and over and over again. Uh, also, we learn like she was basically an outcast as she was coming up and she is solely responsible for the place that she's in in this world. So you can see how that kind of informs her viewpoint, why she wouldn't have a particular kind of low color viewpoint towards the other races or whatever. Like not a compassionate viewpoint. Yes. She made it all on her own. She, you know, climbed on top of the, like, like Daryl said, like she climbed on top of their backs and got in that position. And then when she looked down on them, they celebrated her as if they, you know, put her in that position. Right. Right. And so, and um, now she's like, fuck you. Yeah. You make us weaker, and now I'm space racist, and you're a rat. <laughs> so Orion says to Darrow in the same hangar mm-hmm. while they're cold, she says, together, you and I, we've broken worlds. Who can do what we have done? Yet we put ourselves at the mercy of rats. We free them, protect them, die for them, and when we turn our backs, they unveil their little teeth and gnaw at us one bite at a time. And when we turn to face them, they cheer and we pretend their gnawing hasn't made us weaker. And Darrow says, you sound like one of them. This is exactly what we're talking about. This is like just classic storytelling right here is like basically what separates, you know, the good guys from the bad guys. And it's the way they they treat the other people or the people that are kind of caught in the middle. And ultimately, it's like, do you become the thing that you hate or do you keep your your know you like your moral fiber your compass um, clear at this point? And so that's what Orion has pretty much lost it at, at this point. And as we see throughout Dark Age, you can't and throughout the other books, honestly, mm-hmm. you can't always solely be the good guy. Like mm-hmm. Daryl has to literally kill millions of people in order to maintain his seat of power mm-hmm. for the quote unquote greater good as he sees it right so orion has seen all of that as well and i'm sure that plays into her viewpoint of like we think we're the good guys but look at all these people that we have murdered yep you know and that's what makes this story so great is we're really exploring just kind of like those gray areas between what's good what's bad and like obviously we've got clear antagonists but like i love the fact that daryl always has to kind of question like how far he should go to protect people and like what what he's always questioning what do i stand for you know like what is um the point of all this and if he loses himself within it you know then it doesn't matter what happens in the end because gold is won at that point if he loses his like compass and storm or whatever you know like he needs to be able to keep the idea of EO and all that alive. So Orion says, so how much longer can you hope absent any evidence that the people of the Republic are good? When, and then Darrow's thinking to himself, when I do not answer, she stands, putting a hand on my shoulder in empathy. As Severo became softer, I found solace in Orion. We have always been alike, particularly in our growing suspicions of democracy, with a K, but it is always <laughs> said in a grumble over a bottle of whiskey. Never in a screed like this. Her doubt troubles me, and I don't know how to ease it when the same doubts echo and unspoken inside me. Ooh. So that go- that speaks to exactly what we were just talking about. It's like, how much is Daryl willing to compromise his ideals um, himself to win this war? 
you know. And ultimately, if he does win this war and he compromises all those ideals, what does he become at that point? I mean, at this point, he is war. His yep. whole identity is war. He's put the key away. Yeah, that's we, true. <laughs> he's just that <laughs> war Darrow. And then uh, moving forward, Darrow tells Orion that he will handle her Nasus, meaning like he doesn't want them fighting because obviously Orion blames not only the Republic, but also Harnassus for basically her whole fleet getting butchered. Mm -hmm. Since Harnassus is the one who followed the senators, he followed the senators' order to send like half the ships home. So then Orion walks away like a petulant child, and Darrow stands. He says, Imperator, your commanding officer is speaking. Orion says, According to our Senate, you're not my commanding officer, you're a traitor. Darrow thinks, there's only one thing to do with doubt. Stomp on it. He says, Imperator, I don't need your opinions. I don't care about your feelings. My only care is that my best weapon is sharp before zero hour. Will you be sharp, Imperator? As a rat's teeth, sir. Yeah, so this is our attempt at kiss and makeup. I'm not sure we actually... Shit did do it when she said as a rat's teeth i was like "Ooh, i know that was that's a line right there i think uh maybe uh she's not gonna follow the rules yeah I w i'm very worried about orion i was very worried about orion at this point in the book when i read it the first time i was like she's like she's lost you're like uh let's not make her the sole commander of the you know storm gods maybe also, maybe, maybe not. I yeah. don't know. Maybe there's other blues on this fucking ship. She has also just like always had a level of respect for Darrow that she just at this point is like clearly lost, you know, like. Yeah, she's like speaking back to him and he's like, I got to fucking stomp on this <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. So that um, meeting did not go so great. <laughs> And that takes she, us to our know, next meeting. When I'm really cold, <laughs> you know, I, I get pretty grumpy when I'm cold. So, like, maybe she just needs to warm up a little bit. And then she'll be nice and cozy. She just needed to get back into space. Never did. Ooh. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Orion <laughs> dies. <laughs> did we mention that we <laughs> we're spoiling things? <laughs> Moving on. Who's our next uh, kiss and makeup our next attempt at kiss and makeup is with Harnassus and Darrow. So um, Darrow has shown up up north there where they're waking one of the seven storm gods. Harnassus' crew is working on it. Harnassus is kind of pissed that Darrow didn't tell him the whole plan. And um, they're starting to go back and forth. Darrow's kind of explained everything. And then after Darrow's had his meeting with all the officers explaining his plan, he... Um, calls Harnassus over. He gives him the little, like, come on over here, buddy. We need to talk. Ben is wiggling his finger. Or maybe he grabs him on the back of his elbow, you know, like your principal would if, like, you're, you have to go to the principal's office. What kind of school did you go to? What? You never got grabbed on the back of the elbow? No, my principal never Whoa. touched me. Oh. That's harassment. Well, like, teacher, like, if you, like, dudes fighting, like, boys fighting or whatever, like... No, get, I was a very good student. Get, like, dragged no one the, dragged me anyway. or touched my elbow. People out there know about it. Grabbing the back of your elbow. It's like a classic, like makes you feel like a little child. That's what Darrow does to Harnassus here. 
He says, after the officers disperse to receive direct orders from Orion, I motion Harnassus take a walk with me along the excavation site. We have business to finish, and I want witnesses. He's setting up a little play here. Harnassus is bitching at Darrow, basically, about him not telling him the plan. Darrow's like, bro, you fucked up already. He says, Harnassus, we lost the plan at the moment you sent half the fleet home. Uh, Harnassus says, so there it is. You want to flog me for it? You want an apology? Fuck you. There's your apology. I obeyed my oath. The sword of the people should never silence its voice, and the voice of the people is the Senate, not you. Darrow says, what does the Senate tell you now? The voice isn't speaking, so the sword will. Oh, shit. (laughs) That's a bar right there. Or Harnassus says, you know why I prefer Severo to you? He might burn hot, but you go cold. There's no talking to you when you're like this. You're inhuman. You're a god emperor. And Darrow's like, damn straight. Listen up, little <laughs> pixie bitch. Uh, this is going about as well as the conversation with Orion did so far. But this was planned. Yes. Because Darrow doesn't care about Harnassus like he cares about Orion. Yeah. He's like trying to coax Orion into being her former pirate self. Yeah, he doesn't. In care this, about he's him. like he's making an example of Harnassus, right? And he, but he also knows he needs Harnassus. Like he, he talks about how important he is. So like he needs that steady hand. Still, Daryl goes on to say, Harnassus, look around. Does today look like a day where I am inclined to entertain anyone's moral protestations? I'm going forward. Are you with me, Imperator? And Harnassus says, and if I'm not, Daryl says, my left hand can't have a mind of its own. At my command, ten black-clad howlers file out of the necromancer. That is when you should shit your suit. Yeah. (laughs) Harnassus has officially shit his suit. That'd be a good time to do it. You would use howlers on me? You would use howlers? (laughs) What do you think? You're not special, dude. You used to be a red, and now you're an orange, and it's very confusing. (laughs) It's kind of confusing. He did switch colors. Yeah, you can't. Like, we don't trust you now. Obviously, that's not your fault, but like we're going to blame it on you. The one good thing about Harnassus, though, is he gets on board with Darrow. When shit hits the fan, when push comes to shove, he's going to be there to help Darrow out. So basically, um, that's when Rona gets communication. Alexander's like, fear night, didn't follow the bait. He's going for Angelia. Oh, no. And Daryl's like, oh, shit. I think he figured this out. He tells Harnassus he needs to go back to Heliopolis. Harnassus agrees. And Daryl says, that's the thing about Harnassus. Whatever our differences, when the enemy comes, he's got my back. He snaps a salute and takes off. And they're friends again. They're friends again for for a little while (laughs) until they fight again. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tumultuous relationship. Mm -hmm. But they kissed and made up. They did, kind of. Speaking of forcefully, kiss, but not like not like a romantic kiss. I don't know. More like one of those, you know, like those old timey movie kisses where it's like closed mouth but passionate. So it's like they're just like moving their heads and shoving their faces together, <laughs> but like not moving their mouths at all. I was thinking more like brother and sister when you're little kids and your parent like you get in a fight and then your parents are like you guys need to say sorry to each other and they're like sorry, sorry, okay. I'm sorry. And then everybody like walks off, but then ha- nobody's actually sorry. You had a very uh, abusive childhood, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you and your sister. <laughs> and speaking of kissing and making up, 
Who's segue. next? The rim and the core. Now, this is one. Uh, so when we say rim and core, we're obviously only talking about the society. We're talking about the uh, Moonies and Lysander meeting up with the remaining strong core houses. So that uh, is led by Atalantia, but she's only their like arch imperator. And they, uh, the other houses are also still like holding their own, saying that like she's not their sovereign. Right. So not yet. there's already some sneaking around behind Atalantia's back. Some backstabbing plots, I think, are afoot. Yeah, typical goals. They're all angling to, you know, get the benefit of the situation it's as really, much as they can. It's really quite amazing that, like, there ever was a sovereign. Like, knowing all these powerful house golds, like, how did they agree on this one person? You know? It's pretty impressive. Fear and war and murder and shit. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Yeah. These quotes that we have are from Lysander. He's being very introspective, of course. Hot take. I don't hate Lysander as much this time. I'm sure I'll like come back to it because he obviously does some really shitty stuff in this book. But like I was kind of looking forward to these chapters. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I, I like Lysander's chapters. I mean, I don't mind reading them. It's just like... I think a lot of this stuff right here that we're about to talk about um, is going to kind of set up some of readers' frustrations with Lysander. Um, because he's a hypocrite? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Lysander says, The rim has come to make peace with the profligate core. Instead of my old friend, mentor, and guardian, it is the eldest son of Romulus Ara who stands beside me on the bridge of the Ionian Corvette. Of all the golds of the rim, only Diomedes was deemed fit to serve as ambassador for this dire mission. I believe the choice well made. Me too. I also mm-hmm. like Diomedes. Diomedes is the best. And like, unlike his like bitch sister, he's like the one person in this entire scene, including all the core people, mm-hmm. who is worth any drop of honor. Right. Oh, for sure. And yet he gets pissed on. Out of all these amazing people. Yep, but he just takes it like a champ. Because he's honorable. And then uh, Lysander says, when when people bring up the whole king thing or the sovereign, he keeps saying that he does not want to have any position of power, which is fucking hypocritical. <laughs> so he says, damn my inheritance. All that matters is that we still the turmoil that racks the world's. Gold remains the only viable peacemaker, but not while gold is itself divided. To defeat Darrow, we must heal the wounds between the rim and the core. Like that right there becomes like his mission statement for these, uh, other than the damn my inheritance part. But like that second part where it's like, all that matters is that we have to, you know, still the turmoil. Gold is the only peacemaker. Um, while we're divided, we'll never win. But he really like latches on to this idea. Do you know in school mm-hmm. when you have to write a paper mm-hmm. and you ha you like your first sentence is supposed to be your thesis? Mm-hmm. So like you like Google shit and you like you know, Wikipedia some shit and you're like, Okay, you like write a sentence, you come up with it out of your asshole. And then you just decide that that is how you feel 100%. <laughs> yeah. You and know? you got to prove it for and the rest of your paper. And then you prove it for 500 
<laughs> to a thousand more words, <laughs> yeah. double spaced. Yeah. I feel like that's what Lysander is doing. He like wrote that one sentence to one person. Yeah. And now he's just got to go with it and just he's got to lean in. Right. He can't like rewrite his thesis. Yep. Exactly. And he leans in hard. And then obviously uh, we n- kind of know what happens next from there. Uh, Rem and Core meet. Uh, we get our nice introduction to Ajax. And he insults the shit out of the Moonies. But they just kind of take it in their typical Mooney way. Swallow it down. Not the pee, but the 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 insults. They don't and swallow the pee. <laughs> they kind of do swallow the pee because they don't fight him. <laughs> they they take it. Obviously, later on, they kind of come to an agreement that they will will find that out. I think that's in the next next set of chapters. Does anyone else get peed on in this book? I I don't think so. This is you know we need to call Pierce because like we really need to bring back the whole piss thing. <laughs> Like I'm glad it shows up. Classic Red Rising move. If we're (laughs) (laughs) okay, can you? So when you're reading or listening, obviously you're like, "Oh, that's fucked up." Like actually, picture in your mind talking to someone, them whipping their dick out and peeing on your clothes. Like that takes time. Not even like whipping their dick out, but just like pressing a button on their armor so that their dick pops out (laughs) of the armor. whack-a-mole <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then being and then pressing the button and it armors back up <laughs> do you think it ever gets caught in that little trap i hope so for ajax that would be <laughs> yeah. he deserves it but like like you know when you read it it happens in like a second yeah but if you actually think about the time that it takes to like convince yourself that it's ready to pee yeah. in front of people when yeah. it, you're like not in a bathroom like it, it might take a minute. Well, if you're a gold, he's got that supreme confidence. It doesn't even matter. He's not pee shy. No, he's just he's already peeing before. Ajax isn't shy about the, the single thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's just and then like I'm sure he's a big gold. I'm sure he's got a full bladder because he's well hydrated. <laughs> so like this like takes a while. I'm just my point is think about the time the time that it actually everybody's takes. standing there watching it. It's a it's a terrible and scene. nobody yeah. does anything yeah. and we all just wait for him to like fully saturate the cloak. It would be extremely uncomfortable with his well hydrated pee. Which if he's not hydrated, it would probably be clear anyways. These are things I think about. <laughs> so that's how the rim and the core made up. That brings us to our next new section. We've got a new segment. It's a super fun one. What is it? Who died today? <laughs> That's right. For Dark Age specifically, we have created a segment called Who Died Today? Because guess what? Someone dies at least every episode. <laughs> and we want to make sure we're remembering them and you know, just keeping track of all the characters that we lose. If you listen to our Dark Age Insta reaction, you can hear our memorial to all the characters I lost <laughs> in Dark Age. It's pretty great. Yeah, me and Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, Sarah McLaughlin. Yep. McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Is she like Irish or something? McLaughlin. I think so. It's a lot of CHs. <laughs> all right, who died today, Ben? Well. Your guy, tongueless. He was the first death of the book. Darrow uh, even says before this whole mission where he gets cut up, quote, I fear tongueless isn't ready. No shit. 
Dude, you, even you don't know anything about him. <laughs> you fear he isn't ready? Why don't you ask him? Why don't you fucking write it down? When I read that this time, I was like, Doi, Darrow. That didn't even Sorry, I've been watching a lot of community. That's funny. And they say that a lot. Doi. Doi. And then we had one other death. The the Death Knight lived up to his name. By dying. And got murked by Darrow. He was one of the... Uh, Olympic Knights. He was obviously one of the Olympic Knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's the only one they got. He's nameless, too. I don't believe he actually had a... We don't know who he is. His name is uh, Grim. Grim, <laughs> comma, Reaper. <laughs> oh, Reaper. <laughs> <laughs> That brings us to the Prime Five, which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Ooh, I'll start. I want to talk about Lysander. So we have a lot of interesting Lysander titbits here. Titbits? Titbits is what I meant to say. (laughs) Titbits. Titbits. We have a lot of interesting Lysander titbits here. I feel like for Lysander, titbits is like appropriate. (laughs) Titbits. Little little titbits. Okay. One thing we noticed, and this has been brought up in a lot of different discussions, especially around one Pax Olykos, I guess, or Pax Augustus. I think he's an Augustus, isn't he? Pax uh, Reaper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mustang and Daryl's kid, Pax. Uh, there is a line here in Dark Age where it says, Lysander is the sole inheritor of the mind's eye. So... That that's from Octavia, though. I still think it's a possibility that Pax might have it if Mustang, you know, she found all the secrets that Octavia had been hiding, including the mind melts stuff. Yeah, so it's a possibility that the mind's eye was part of that, but it seems like it probably wasn't, and it was maybe something that was like kind of a verbal thing that's passed down and taught through the family. Only, and it's you can find it on. Uh, in your app store, there's one called Calm, <laughs> and there's one called Waking Up, and you can just download, you know, that meditation app, and then you could also have the Mind's Eye. <laughs> That's how easy it is. Yeah. <laughs> it does say he's the sole inheritor of the Mind's Eye, though, so that does kind of maybe complicate some stuff. It also might mean nothing at all, so it's a really Hot great, take. We'll really come back point. to that later in the book when also, we learn more. Also, uh, another Lysander tidbit. He's very aware that he has holes in his memory after the whole piano thing. Memory all alone in the <laughs> By the way, cat's fucking weird. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm like not here for it. No, that looks awful. <laughs> and you know that I like musicals. No. I am not here for that. Is like, is cat's the musical even good, though? You know, I'm not a huge fan. Memory which I just sang is literally the only memorable song. And I call it the whisper musical because there's a whole like 10 minutes where everyone on stage is like whispering a song and you legit cannot tell what they're saying. I just don't get it. I don't get the entire cats thing. 
It's it's kind of like Les Mis. They're poor. They're they're the alley cat. Well, I just don't. Why and then is there's it? like the rich person who's like the fancy cat. Right, but it doesn't seem like anybody likes cats. Like, how is it so famous? It doesn't seem like there's any good music. Like people like cats. I do not. But there are people that like it. Are they the only people? Are they solely keeping it alive themselves? It, it came alive during the era of Fosse and that dance style. And Fosse is very a very cat like movement. And so people in theater like to wear leotards and show off their packages and their tits mm-hmm. and wear cat faces. And that's why some people like the musical. Uh. They're showing off their like muscular buns from doing ballet their whole lives. It's pretty weird. The CGI weird cat faces, like the half oh, it's human, fucking half horrible. Cat faces is very like weird. pick one. Yeah, be a cat or be a human. Don't <laughs> don't CGI half of like your the shit. It's so weird. Very tough. Anyways. This is a musical heavy episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, the point we were trying to make is that Lysander is very aware that he has holes in his memory after he played cats on the piano. <laughs> also, can we just say if Lysander was like someone in our musical, he would be a weird CGI cat person. Yeah, for sure. And he'd be the all white one. He does uh, say that he suspects Octavia of... Diddling, Mind yeah, him. like diddling his little brain. Diddling is that an offensive word? <laughs> <laughs> you can't say diddle. What does that mean? <laughs> it just means like mess with. He, she diddled it. We <laughs> <laughs> have fully derailed. <laughs> anyway, he suspects Octavia of diddling his brain. He's right, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, you keep, you said diddle. I like the word diddle. It's all funny. right. Um, and then also, like we had talked about, he promises Lysander he does not want to be a king and says, damn my inheritance. But then later, hmm. later he's like, I'm on a sunblood. <laughs> I am the king. <laughs> I'm a hypocrite. I think that's, uh, we'll get more into that as we go along here. We shall. But let's remember that point right now that Lysander is like, I don't want to be a king. I, don't, I definitely don't want to be a king. He's like uh, Simba when he's out in the rainforest with Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> like he's like, fuck that. I don't want to be the king because I killed my dad and shit. That's a Lion King spoiler for mm-hmm. you. Of course, my prime five is a love story. Ooh, whistle. I can't whistle. Ron, uh, Rona and El- Alexander, before they shoot out of their little spit tubes... Oh, in the prologue? The prologue. They're on a private line, and Daryl happens upon it, and they're flirty, flirty. Rona overall is, like, really great. Oh, she has a great set of chapters She has a great set of chapters. She really Mm kind of, just like Lyria will and has in Iron Gold, as a red woman, she is not, like, born powerful at all. Mm -hmm. And just like Lyria... Rona really has made a name for herself and has kind of forced her way into this for position sure. of power next to Darrow. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, she's like flirting with the gold and it's super cute, but also on her own terms, she's got bolts in her arms. I love when she's talking to him about how she wants to be in the Drakenjager and she's like, full metal god. Yeah, I also <laughs> want to be a full metal god. <laughs> yeah. Cause that sounds legit. And you could like totally be 
in a rock musical yeah. with your bolts. And then um, her argument with Daryl is like a big highlight of chapter one mm-hmm. when she's, first of all, she's proving to him that she is so sneaky that he doesn't even know she's there. Mm-hmm. So she's sneaking, spying on Darrow, spying on Orion. Mm-hmm. And then she has a whole argument with Darrow. And uh, she has all these good points. And then Darrow's small-minded because he's really at heart a red. He's like, I can't let my brother's daughter be in my army, even though she's on Mercury, about to get fucked mm-hmm. completely like everyone else on Mercury. Yeah, he wants to try and protect her if he can. Yeah, protecting her would mean not being on Mercury because everyone on Mercury is totally screwed. Like, there's no good things about Mercury. Yeah, like, he wants her to be in Heliopolis, where basically it's, like, their final fallback position. It's where they're keeping a bunch of the civilians. You know what happens there? Bad stuff. Lots of bad stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of bad stuff happens there. (laughs) Don't don't send her away, (laughs) Darrow. Anyways, my point was, Rona is is moving up in the world. She's doing great. She does. She saves Orion. She has the great speech to Darrow. And then at the end of these chapters, she basically makes herself, um, she makes herself indispensable because she figures out what's going on with with Darrow and Orion. Insurance policy. Yeah. And so she knows where the switch is to turn Orion off basically, which is just a horrible thing to say. By turning her off, he (laughs) means melting her brain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) not like a light switch right (laughs) good job rona Mm -hmm. so uh we also hear a good heliopolis foreshadowing in Mm -hmm. these chapters and ben brought up a really good point that i never thought of so i read a lot of books but i'm a i'm a skipper i skip the whatever it's called the acknowledgements i skip the maps Mm mm-hmm like I just I go straight to the words and then I don't I once it's over I don't read the things mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so Ben brought up that there's a great map at the beginning of the book mm-hmm. which I happened because of Ben to look at and it makes a lot more sense. Gosh, it really does help a lot. It helps, and I I, I do listen to the books, so yeah. like I don't always have it with me. Yeah. But especially um, next episode. Yeah. There's a lot of like movement and Darrow talking about like this place, this place, this place. It really helps. I really encourage you to like while you're reading or listening to look at the map. Yeah, for sure. I was doing the same thing. Like the first time through the book, I was just wanting to like read it as fast as I could. And so I was just, you know, going through and not going back, not turning back to the map and lining up like, oh, they're here. They're trying to go here. But gosh, it helps like everything makes so (laughs) much. That was so endearing. (laughs) Gosh, guys. (laughs) It makes so much more sense to see like where they're moving, what Daryl's plan is, like what he's trying to do. And like the nuclear bomb goes off next episode. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's important to know like where that starts and like how far out it goes and yeah. where everyone's at. This is probably like the stupidest take ever, but you know. Look use, at the fucking use, map. Use the map. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I'm not good at geography. Like I'm I constantly use my GPS to drive like ten minutes from my house. So I'm not like the best advocate for map usage. Right. However, it's a great thing. Anyways, speaking of Heliopolis, yes. there's Heliopolis foreshadowing 
And Darrow talks about Heliopolis as, quote, a thorn in my boot and a hotbed of loyalist insurrection plots and back alley murders. And as we know, Heliopolis is basically where Lysander ends up, you know. With the Sunbloods. Right. He incites all of the people, the low colors, to like rise up against Darrow and his army there. And so that was already being set up here in the first couple chapters. It is definitely a thorn in Darrow's boot and also the place where he almost dies if it weren't for, mm-hmm. spoiler, Cassius. Yep. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that part. Uh, okay, next item on the Prime 5. This is our number four on the list. Uh, there's so much Fear Night shit in these five in, chapters. Impale, impalement, impaler. Yeah. The, the impaler. Well, they're just like really setting him up. Like I just didn't notice this, I think, the first time around, but like... Well, can I be honest? Mm-hmm. I do get confused with Ajax and Atlas. Yeah. And unless they say like his full name, Atlas Ara, yeah. or the Fear Knight. Yeah. If they just say Atlas, I kind of like I get him confused. It's a lot of A's. Atlas, Atlantia, Atlantia, <laughs> uh, Ajax, like Aja. I mean, Asshole, like, yeah, Lysander. Uh, yeah, you know? <laughs> there's, just, there's a lot of A's. I get where you're coming from there for sure. But I definitely wasn't, um, I don't know, I just didn't notice that as much the first time I read it. But there's so much setup for the Fear Knight and how much of a badass he is, um, how ruthless he is, and just like how difficult of an opponent he has been for Darrow throughout this. And so there's just a lot of setup for him like there's this big scary dude. And he clearly has impaled people in the past. Right. Um, yeah, and he's got the specific tactics, like he uses the gorilla tactics, and he is always out there trying to like maim, injure, uh, make Darrow's army useless, but not actually kill them, so that Darrow has to take care of them. Basically, it's like a terrible, but like really kind of ingenious tactic. And he really embraces the name, the Fear Knight, right? Because what's scarier than just dying, like being tortured to the point of you're wanting death? Right. But can't have it. And he's the reason that Daryl knows that they can't just hang out under their shields uh, until help comes from Luna uh, because, like, the Fear Knight will eat away at them and he will eventually, like, just basically destroy the morale of his army. Um, and it's just, like, there's so many little things in these chapters just about Atlas and setting up Atlas as this big bad. And I was just kind of thinking about that. Like, when you actually meet Atlas, he doesn't seem like that at all. Yeah, you kind of like him. Yeah. You're kind of like, oh, he's chill. Yeah. He's like giving up his himself to be come what may. He's very calculated. He's very thoughtful. And like it's 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 very interesting dichotomy. I, I'm really. Why interested. do we like bad guys? So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's like he does all these really horrible things. But at the end of the day, I'm also like he's also best friends with Lysander's dad. And so we know that Lysander's dad and mom were both sympathizer at least his mom was so i'm assuming his dad probably had at least some sympathy or were reformers in some way he doesn't exactly line up so i'm really interested to see where atlas goes in the next book and we also know that he's kind of got this whole plot with he seems to be um controlling volsung possibly possibly and he's definitely connected to xenophon who's fucking all that shit up the white sefi yes uh, so he's just a really interesting character. We almost didn't get enough of him in this book. 
And Almost. Yeah. Well, we, we got enough pulls up butts. Yeah, we did get enough impalements up the butt. I, right. for one, am, am satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I almost want like more time with Atlas because I'm just really interested to see what his role is still because I, I don't quite think that he's like all for the society, but I'm not sure exactly what he's up to. I think he's like 100% on murder and torture. And like, I don't know what his code really is. That's what I'm saying is I don't think that he like enjoys that stuff. I think he uses it because it's such like an effective tactic. But not not necessarily like Daryl thinks that you know he's like a monster that basically like he likes what he's doing or whatever you know and that seems to be the idea behind the Fear Night, but it almost seems like that's kind of a ruse and uh, a manufactured projection of of him and that's not actually who Atlas is and well let's not forget he's still you know tortured Orion and and. For sure. Poked, I mean, he could be. Up he could just be a bad, bad dude. I'm just saying. It seems to me like maybe there's. I'm kind of worried about you. It's just curious. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just interested. Ben, how do you feel like <laughs> about impaling, <laughs> in a sense, on poles? I'm against it. Okay, just uh, making sure. I'm gonna come out against impaling. Okay, yeah. just making sure. Controversial, but. <laughs> Hot take. Ben is against poles up butts. <laughs> All right, final Prime 5. Uh, Lady Power, Thraxa, Altelamanus, is a fucking badass. Her Warhammer, that yeah. I can't, it's heavier than Thor's hammer, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's named We Lass, mm-hmm. and if she thumps it, everyone goes silent because they know Mama's here and she doesn't want you chatting. Mm-hmm. Daryl calls her in these chapters the Sunblood Stallion. And then that's a foreshadowing of actual sunbloods. And once you meet a real sunblood, you're like, yeah, Thraxa is a fucking sunblood. She's bigger than every other human. Yep. She's a powerhouse. She's got a big freckly face. Big freckly. She's probably like pockmarked and sunburnt. She didn't give a fuck. And she carries around a giant hammer. That's just (laughs) super I love how she's kind of developed into like this steady... Almost like number two between it's kind of like her and Alex are kind of like Daryl's, but it's really Thraxa. He's like the one that he or he trusts as to command, you know. Well, she's more she's more seasoned than Alex, right? So when then uh, the next chapters something goes wrong, Daryl's looking at Thraxa like, what did like why would you let them do that? Like mm-hmm. she's she's supposed to be the most seasoned. Yeah veteran of this war but yeah she's kind of sliding into that like several role really yeah yeah and i love her and you know uh if i had to choose a bodyguard i would choose thraxa she's pretty badass i mean just shout out to the fucking telemonuses they just their whole family (laughs) can i be adopted (laughs) i know they're so great i'm already like pretty tall like (laughs) i could get some muscle on me i could maybe fit in as like their distant cousin (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's the this week's Prime 5. That takes us to the Primus of the Week. Our one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is... It's Ajax. Do you know why? It's because he peed on something. If you have listened to this podcast, <laughs> you know our rule. There is a set in stone... We, we did a blood oath. <laughs> 
together. On this, we we shook hands and <laughs> with our hands cut a blood oath that if you pee on something, you win the week. <laughs> exactly. Period. <laughs> and we don't have many rules, but that's one we're going to keep. That is one rule. <laughs> That's rule number one. So he pissed on something. Guess what else he did? He killed our man, Tongueless. He killed Tongueless, and that should make him not win. Right. But he did cut a man into four pieces before any parts hit the ground, which is pretty quick. Pretty incredible. It's a quick way to he kill had someone. quite the introduction. Like, we get that prologue where he comes in, and he's just like the fastest fighter around. Just like Daryl's like almost overpowered by him kills tongueless and then we just get i mean you can say what you want about him being a huge dick and he is maybe more ways than one but (laughs) (laughs) you're really thinking about that armor you're thinking like if you have a hole in your armor where your dick pops out you don't want to like accidentally hit that at a party (laughs) but he did put on quite a performance he's Yes. I mean, like... If we like theatrics, yeah, exactly. he's our man. We do like theatrics here at Howler Pod. And so, Ajax, you're our winner this week. You're our primus. Um, Way to pee on a cloak. Yep. I'd say our runner-up is probably Rona. For She's got bolts. She rescued Orion, too. So, Okay. Congratulations, Ajax. You are the primus. That takes us to our next segment, Howler Q&A. Okay, this week we have an email from Rohit. He sent in some uh, cool information about um, some historical parallels to... From real life? Yes, from real life. (laughs) Real history. (laughs) Sorry, I solely read fictional history. He did some research. I've been wanting to do this myself, but I'm way too lazy to actually... So thanks, Rohit. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad we have somebody that, uh, you know, like puts in the time. Um, He said... Basically, he looked up. There's a Spartan admiral named Lysander. He <gasps> really? Yeah. He basically single-handedly turned a 27-year-long war against Athens um, and defeated them. So he had he did it with like strategy, and he defeated a much larger, more powerful Athenian navy, not by sheer force, but with proper strategy. Uh, Rohit says. Now we know Pierce is a voracious reader and well-adept in classical histories of the West. Do you guys think he draws these parallels on purpose, or are those connections made subconsciously? Does he choose these names knowing their names shall influence their fates? Oh, I'm sure it's not subconscious. Yeah, I'm sure there's some purpose to it. Um, and then and he, he uses real-world history even in the book like calling back to these generals mm-hmm. and uh, these historical figures within the golds, um, even their names. Right. He does that. Um, he also like referenced some classical battles, even in these chapters. There's um, references to like Thermopylae, which is, uh, if you've seen the movie 300, that's what that's Ooh, based on. The abs? Yep. I've seen it. <laughs> um, there's also the Battle of Cannae is mentioned. Um, which, are there other apps? Um, do you remember the Battle of the Bastards in Game of Thrones? I do. That battle was actually modeled after the Battle of Cannae. Damn. A similar strategy was used. Some deep nerd shit. There's some deep nerd shit going on. So yes, I would say s- I would I would definitely think that there are connections between like the classic 
history and the names that he uses with um, the characters. I'm not sure if Lysander exactly lines up. It says he defeated a much larger force in this situation. Like, seems like the golds have the much larger force, but um, this admiral does sound like he was very had a lot of strategery. Strategery. <laughs> and so we know that Lysander is quite the strategist. And thinker. And very yes. introspective. So I think that does play into it for sure. To that's answer your question, Rohit. That's very interesting. Yeah, it is pretty interesting. If you guys ever have any other questions like or any other information like that with names or historical connections, yeah, let me we're, know. We're not looking it up. Aaron's not interested, but I am. And I'm definitely not <laughs> looking it up. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> I am interested. Uh, Loosely. He also asks, how do you guys know each other? How do we know each other? Uh, ben is best friends with my husband, but we kicked him out and now we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> We've been hanging out for a really long time. I don't know. It's yeah, like 10 mostly years or something like that. Getting fucked up, shooting the shit. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you like to read? <laughs> oh, you're like. We both realized we were into nerdy shit. You're a closet nerd? <laughs> yeah. Chill. Yep. Uh, that takes us on to our newest segment. <laughs> Do you listen to Howlapod? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really leaning into my Brooklyn accent. You have to do this whole section with the, the, the accent. Fun fact, I used to live in New York, and I <laughs> adopted a New York personality. And I would talk to people like this. because, like, don't fuck with me. Because people talk to you all the time on the street, and you have to, like, get super Jersey on them. <laughs> so we're going to play a couple of the voicemails we received uh, since we uh, ran and our by the way, amazing HowlerPod infomercial. Thank you for sending voicemail in. I, like, it's... I can't even explain to you like the genuine little grin I get while I'm listening to these. I, I I'm like, <laughs> I just, I don't think I've ever been happier. I'm so happy. And especially like, uh, we've been talking to a lot of you on Instagram and we like know you just by your like Instagram name, mm -hmm. but like actually hearing your voices. I'm like, Oh my God. I know it's so special. I'm like tearing up. <laughs> I'm like, know. we're like, I did get very emotional listening to the first couple. Me too. <laughs> ben and I are texting each other like, oh my God, did you listen? Anyway, so let's talk about the voicemail first. It's 1-800-516-1540. You can call in anytime. It's not actually ringing to a phone or anything like that. So It goes to our email. It goes. Uh, you can just leave a message on there. Um, you can literally talk about anything. If you have a theory that you want to put out there, Leave it on the voicemail. If you have a question for us, leave it on the voicemail. If you think I'm cooler than Ben, please, <laughs> God help us, leave it on the voicemail. Also, like I said earlier, drunk dials are super encouraged. Definitely. Here. Any kind of Howlers After Dark, I would love to put on, put on a full Howlers After Dark episode. So that would require your guys' drunk voicemails. <laughs> That implies something like <laughs> creepier than what I think <laughs> that you're implying. Why you always got to make it weird? Because I'm weird. <laughs> hey, guys. I love your podcast. <laughs> I'm just thinking <laughs> about late night like calling radio right shows. Yet. You know, I, you know I, use, I was into like coast to coast. I was telling you about that. It's a late night 
call-in show. Um, I love that type of shit. So that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Not like weird what you're talking about. Okay. You weirdo. So let's play our first voicemail. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Ben. This is James down here in Dallas. Just wanted to call in. Saw your infomercial. It's funny. Ben, you look good with the cop stash. Think you should grow one out. Uh, just want to say y'all are doing a great job, and I've appreciated the entertainment out of y'all. Y'all have a good one now. Later. Best friends. <laughs> That's our OG James. Okay, our by very o- first fan. OG, we mean we released Howler Pod without telling anyone. And James just like found us <laughs> out like we hadn't even posted anything. We mm-hmm. just we were we were like even we were testing the system basically. We were trying to see if ins- if <laughs> iTunes would like actually post because yeah. you know we're new. And James is like, What's up? I love your <laughs> podcast and i was like are you my best friend <laughs> yes this is og james james we love you also i would love to grow a mustache but i can't <laughs> i have more facial hair than ben <laughs> yep. it's just not gonna happen to me i am a grown man and with a baby smooth face i just cannot grow facial hair so i will always be you know gluing my mustaches <laughs> on for the rest of my life if i did try to grow a mustache you could probably count the 37 hairs on my upper lip one by one and that would be my mustache it's disgusting it's great so thanks james <laughs> james is our rider day homie and he's pretty close to us we are in kansas he is in texas all right our next voicemail is hey hey guys uh so i have a certain thing to advertise and ask about um my question is what exactly do you think of the hollow archives and has it been beneficial to you in terms of your knowledge regarding the lore of the series and what did you learn from it? Also, how can I, you know, uh, improve it? And to anyone who's listening who's not aware, you can search online right now, thehollowarchives.com. You can find my site, which is the hub for all things Red Rising lore and fandom. Thank you. That message was from uh, Sirdar. You can find him on Twitter at Roke uh, Fabiich. 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 I liked it. Um, yes, and what he's talking about there is the Howler Archives. It's a really cool website. It's basically... Like a catch-all for all things Red Rising. <laughs> yeah, basically. It, it kind of is a, a hub for the entire community. You can find... Um, the wiki's on there. You can uh, find links to like us or different um, Red Rising websites. There's what else also is on there? some really good. There's a meme collection, which is great because now there's like multiple meme accounts, so it kind of catches all those. Mm-hmm. One thing I really liked on here was the interview pref- the interview reference sheet, because we went to Pierce's book signing for Dark Age in Denver. And uh, there's like a few repeat questions, I think, at every mm-hmm. book signing. So this is a great way to like before the next book to kind of catch up on these frequently asked questions so that then we can get some like new questions and new answers right. out of Pierce. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a, a community spotlight. Like Aaron said, there's an interview reference sheet meme collection. There's a really cool object description. So it's got weapons, vehicles, all kinds of stuff like that. There's a huge character chart so you can track the lineage. Ooh, I need that. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> got to be so deep. Uh, and then there's like the naming system and it um, also has 
links to all this stuff. So it's just it's basically everything that you could ever want if you're writing a report on Red Rising. Right. Yes. It's like, um, I mean, the tagline is working to empower the Red Rising fandom. So this is kind of place to get a one-stop shop for anything Red Rising. Um, it can hook you up with a lot of different communities or information. Uh, it's a great place to go. As far as things you can improve, fuck, man. I don't know. You're doing You're great. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah. He also does a great job of um, giving credit. So, like, there's, like, all these memes or, like, the character chart, like we said. But even when he hasn't actually created the content, he he credits it back to the creators. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place to like see everything. And then you can even like find new people to follow through this. Right. Um, yeah. And then if you're looking for other places to like talk about uh, Red Rising, there's links to different communities. So you can go to like the Hallow Life website. There's the Red Rising Wiki, the Red Rising subreddit, um, the Hicks St. Leone's Facebook group. And then the Sons of Aries Discord server, which I've heard a lot of good things about. And then also the role-playing, Red Rising role-playing Discord server, which sounds really cool. So um, Lots a lot of, of shit. lot of stuff. Let's keep growing this Red Rising community. Let's be like the biggest group of weirdos <laughs> this side of the sun. I love it. Um, yeah, man. Keep it up. Um, if you ever need anything from Howlerpod, you let us know. Let Ben know. I'm busy. <laughs> Do you know what's next? What are we into this week? I'll go first. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. If if any of you are, you know, on the Red Rising boards, then you already know our friend. I'm calling her our friend because we talked to her one time. <laughs> Piera Ford. She is our friend down under. <laughs> She's also a beautiful actress, mm-hmm. super talented, also like like the fastest reader on the galaxy. I mean, <laughs> when we talked fast. to her, she, she uh, we were like, what are you into this week? And she's like into 18 things because she's reading them all at once. I'm, I'm pretty like, sure she read a book during our interview. Yeah, I'm like, okay, <laughs> first of all, I need to take some of those, uh, you know, enhancing drugs that Darrow got before I can catch up. Anyways, she just released a YouTube series called Nevernight, mm-hmm. and it's, like, really good. Yep, it's based on the book series. Which I have not read. I haven't read these either. But I did watch it. So I, there, I probably need to read it because there were some things I didn't fully understand. Yeah. But even without reading it, it was, like, super awesome production value. Mm-hmm. There's Man Butt. There's man butt like in the first couple minutes. And y'all know I love some man butt. <laughs> like I was like, yes, queen, give me some more of that man butt. And it was like good man butt, not like weird man butt. Yep. You know, it's like the man butt you want to see, like Chris mm-hmm. Hemsworth man butt. Mm-hmm. Some good man butt. Mm-hmm. Speaking of man butt, I'm excited for Witcher. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Those bathtub you scenes? You guys could have seen her face when she said that. <laughs> Super creepy. <laughs> so anyways, Piera Ford, production value is great. Um, it's also like since we talked to her and now we like s- are seeing her in a show, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm famous. Yeah. Right? Well, that's what's great about Piera. She's like really great with interacting with her fans. She is really active in YouTube community and all that. So it's like really cool to see someone like that, you know, be successful. And she did this like 
all of herself, you know, like she's like she fucking made organizing it. this, getting this going. She spearheaded this entire project. It's just really cool. She's like more badass than Thraxa. <laughs> she's definitely on a Thraxa level. And uh, badass. the the plot basically is that she's a super sweet, kick ass assassin chick that can like disappear and reappear possibly. Yeah, it seems like she can disappear and reappear. She's trying to get to some school. I really want to read Nevernight now because yeah. I feel like a fucking idiot talking about it. But it was fun to watch. Yeah. It's on YouTube. It's fucking free. Just check it out. It's and they're really like great. pretty short. They're only like eight or ten minutes of an episode. But, right. Um, they, I think they want to make more of them. I hope they do. Uh, so shouts to our, our friend, Piera. That was awesome. Yeah. And if you ever need <laughs> some... <laughs> Pasty white Midwesterners <laughs> in your movies, like hit us up. Yeah, if you guys need some somebody to play some stupid Americans, <laughs> we're just like we'll be perfect. If you for need that. me to get murdered <laughs> for being drunk on Truly, like I am your girl. Okay, Ben, what are you into this week? I'm scared Besides, to tell you. <laughs> you're also into Pierre Ford, obviously. Uh, yeah, but what else too. are you into this week? I'm scared to tell you because of our discussion, pri- right? Uh, before the episode started today whatever i'm into the mandalorian and i'm going to talk about it just slightly not really a whole bunch of plot stuff but there is one very important part that i'm going to talk about so if you don't like spoilers skip ahead a minute or so i'm going to give you a little time to do that hit the 30 second thing okay can we talk about baby yoda Baby Yoda's not a spoiler. He's all over the fucking internet. You right. can't be alive and not know about Baby Yoda. I know, but I just don't want people to get mad about it. Well, it fuck is- them. Hey, I didn't even watch Mandalorian. <laughs> and the reason I got Disney Plus was because of the memes that I didn't understand. <laughs> I was like, I can't like not be on the internet, so I'm going to get Disney Plus. This is my Baby Yoda take. Baby Yoda is the best thing to happen to Star Wars since Star Wars. That barely makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Keep in mind, everyone... Since Star Wars is created, that's the best thing that's ever happened to Star Wars. Can I explain that you, Ben, have... So I'm a Star Wars fan in that I've seen all of the movies, period. Ben, however, has not only seen the movies multiple times, all of them, he has studied them. He has the books with, like, deep dives into character backgrounds. Oh, yeah, I mean... Like, sub-characters, like, fucking the... (laughs) You know, the big fat guy that puts Leia in chains. Jabba? Jabba. He's got, like, his backstory. Mm-hmm. He's got all the backstories. Oh, I know his Legends backstory, and I know his canon backstory. Okay, it's well, that was fucking nerd shit. I got all Anyways, kinds of stuff. Anyways, so Ben <laughs> thinks he has this, like, pedestal to stand on for all things Star Wars, <laughs> which is where the argument began. I don't have anything. I, first of all, was very reasonable talking to you about the show. I didn't even get mad at you for your terrible opinion that it's bad. <laughs> anyway i'm enjoying the mandalorian i agree with you that maybe some of the most recent episodes were we're at uh, episode six is the last episode we've seen as of recording here today maybe those aren't the best but just plot wise we're we're not really like trying no one's really trying (laughs) here writing wise I disagree with your assessment, but it's okay. I respect it. On the other hand, I am very enthusiastic about The Mandalorian. I love the adventure of the week aspect of it. Uh, I fucking love Baby Yoda. Protect Baby Yoda at all costs. He's amazing. Do you know who doesn't protect Baby Yoda at all costs? Mandalorian. It's very annoying. Yeah, 
I yeah, know. that's that's one of my biggest <laughs> issues. By the way, I love the fight scenes. I love the music. I love the scenery oh and the God. costumes. The, the only song. problem I have is the writers. Yeah. Like, if Pierce Brown were on this team, <laughs> this wouldn't suck. Yeah. Like, he would not let these fucking throwaway episodes happen. He would actually write something good in here. That is my strong, probably contested opinion. But think about it. These Disney plots, doesn't do a great job with the writing. The plots are not good. Yeah. If you are a reader of amazing fiction like we are, yeah. you cannot say that these plots are like can hold up to anything that not, we've read. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Um, but... I understand why you like it because yeah. I have also like binge watched all of the episodes. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, it, the thing it reminds me of the most, and I've heard this a little bit on the internet, and I totally agree with it, is I was a huge fan of like uh, the Hercules TV show <laughs> with Kevin Sorbo. Oh, and I was a huge Beastmaster fan. Yes, and uh, Xena the Warrior Ferrets? Princess. Yeah, I'm here for uh, if. If Boba Fett, what's his name? Mandalorian <laughs> yeah. has Mando. If Mando has ferrets come out of his armor, yeah. I will definitely. <laughs> it'll bump up a few points, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, I I loved those shows back in the day, and Can so I, I kind of like that aspect of it. Yes, go ahead. Everyone calls him Mando. His whole fucking race of people are the Mandalorians. Are they all called Mando? That can't just be his nickname, because that is the name of like the people. Do you want me to go deep on you? Sure. The well, that, that sounded weird. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded really bad. <laughs> Do you want me to go like deep dive on you here? Because the reason <laughs> they call him Mando is <laughs> there are like basically no Mandalorians left. But they're all living in his cave, buddies. Right. But they're like living in the shadows. They're not coming out. So like when you see a Mandalorian, yeah, you are probably just calling him Mandalorian. Okay, Whatever. I like it fine, but it's not like my favorite shit or anything. <laughs> okay. Well, I like it a lot. <laughs> and Baby Yoda is the most important thing in the world. I agree. Baby Yoda is great. Hey, maybe like put him in the episode more. Also, I'm two days away from seeing the Rise of Skywalker. And I'm pretty nervous about it. But that's a conversation for next episode. I'll probably do my own little review of it. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So what we are into is The Mandalorian and Nevernight by Piera Ford on YouTube. So next week on HowlerPod, what are we doing, Ben? We're going to read Dark Age chapters 6 through 11. Shit's about to start getting grimy. These next chapters are disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. It's going to get real. Okay, you guys, you have to follow us on the Meads at HowlerPod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Also, check out our merch on Etsy. Mm-hmm. It's too late to buy Christmas presents, but maybe somebody's got a birthday coming up and they need a, uh, you know, a HowlerPod sweatshirt. They definitely need it. By the way, we definitely sent... Pierce Brown Christmas presents from our Etsy store. Mm-hmm. So that's Look out for those. He's going to be modeling them. Probably. That's not weird. Just <laughs> you guys can he do it. Seems too. pretty chill about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Hey Pierce, give me your home address. <laughs> and I promise I won't stalk you. <laughs> Love Howler pod. <laughs> Don't forget to email us. For the Howler Q&A, we will read your question and respond to it on the podcast. That's at HowlerPod at gmail.com. You can also go to HowlerPod.com, and we have a little fill-in-the-blank mm-hmm. email form. 
leave a voicemail, please, at 1-800-516-1540. Ask a question. Explain a theory. Tell us we're wrong about something. Tell us we're right about a lot of things. Somebody call in and say, I'm cooler than Aaron because everybody likes Aaron more than me. That's not true. You got some... <laughs> the, the girls like me more. <laughs> It's it's not fair. Sorry, everyone likes me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm more popular. Than Mainly, you. just you know, leave a drunk voicemail, please. Yeah, we're waiting for one. I I in fact called the number <laughs> while drunk because I thought leaving a drunk voicemail was hilarious. It was quite entertaining, and it was great. And then I immediately listened to it because I got the email. <laughs> uh, also, you can find. Links to all that, all the things we talked about on HowlerPod.com, mm-hmm. including Etsy. Uh, tell a friend about the podcast. And most importantly, the only reason we're here is to spread the word about these books. Yes. Buy someone the Red Rising book, mm-hmm. book one. Mm-hmm. Get more people hooked because... And then tell them about HowlerPod. Well, yeah. Well, once they read it, because we're going to spoil the shit out of these <laughs> books. But... We want people to know about the books before the impending TV show happens because, as we know, the books are always better. Mm -hmm. So let's get everyone reading. Mm -hmm. Tell a friend. And then rate and review. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars, we will uh, force you to take off your cloak or whatever the fuck you're wearing, (laughs) and we'll push a button. On our suit. On our suit (laughs) and, and pee. On your clothing items. I'll have to like turn away. I'll have to like cover up a little bit. Well, I'm going to, if I'm going (laughs) to do it, I'm going to need like a full like bottom latch that releases. Yeah. So I can do a full pee squat. Right. But we will pee on your shit (laughs) and you will think to yourself, if only I had given them five stars. Right. And the reason that we're asking you guys to rate and review the podcast is it really just helps us spread the word about HowlerPod. It really helps people find us on the um, podcast search engines and all that shit. Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. <laughs> Ow. Ow. <laughs>